This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Well, a very, very warm welcome to lots of different types of people this morning. Um, what did Richard call you? A marvellous bunch or something? Or... A chunky bunch, wow. Well, first of all, a really warm welcome to the chunky bunch in the middle, who are the, uh, the graduands of the weekend program. It's great to, um, great to have been able to host the weekend program again this year, and um, also to other guests and to um, a couple called Simon and Michelle. Where are you guys? Simon and Michelle, there they are, and uh, Michelle is going to be baptised this morning, and we... Simon and Michelle are from, from Market Harbour, and it's great to have them with us here for the first time. They've been part of the group in Harbour for several months now. Um, before anything else, just to give you some feedback on our uh, week in Kenya, um, which you prayed, for. do you remember you prayed for us and laid hands on us, and yep. off we went, so we're back. Praise God. Return tickets, and um, we had a really fruitful time. Uh, really felt we made great progress. There were five of us went. Uh, Mike and William, our two apprentices this year. And uh, I just want you to know this. They were funded through a gift given to the church. So their trip was, was covered through a legacy for which we we're very grateful. We felt it was a very appropriate way to use the money that was given. Um, we invited them to bring their wives if they could. Uh, unfortunately, Lauren couldn't be with us, but Rosanna came, and Rosanna raised her own funds to come on the trip, and um, the five of us had a superb time. Um, we had time with the key leaders. I'd asked William if he could gather the 20 sort of leading couples, and we had a day with them, and then from them, the, the seven or eight um, really key couples that were carrying the most responsibility had a day with them. Then the ladies had a conference, and, um, and during that time, uh, Mike and William and I met with the 20 men from the first group, and then the seven, as it was, eight men in the second group. Eight, because a new brother joined us um, named Bernard, and through the witness of the Spirit and discussions with him, we've planted a new congregation in a place called Butula. So um, I'm sure you'll, we'll be able to add that to the map. Um, also, uh, the, time the time with these leaders was very precious. I think the time with the ladies was excellent, but I don't have so much first-hand knowledge to report on that. But the time with the leaders was, was time of them sharing their hearts. And uh, I don't know whether I said this before we went, but really believing that God would show, show me who the future elders and deacons would be. And from amongst that group, beginning to sense um, able men and their wives... And, um, and above all, men whose hearts were for the same things that we're for. We, um, the Lord spoke about being joined in a brotherhood, expressing covenant together and standing for one another and not, not doing it alone. No lone rangers, no ministries by themselves. And, and uh, it brought tears to these men, this word, of, of, because it was so much the desire of their heart as well. Um, so thank you for your prayers. The, the, the group on the Ugandan border are making contacts in Uganda and really hoping that there'll be an extension of the work there as well. 
So really appreciate the grace of God with us and the prayers of God's people. It was fantastic. Just to come back to this marvelous bunch. This is the seventh year we've run the weekend program. And uh, this year we had uh, 31 students who studied eight modules which were entitled God and His Word. Roger Aubrey and James Aubrey taught that. The Foundations of Faith, going from Hebrews chapter 6, which Mick Walford and David Lavery taught. This is, this is what I think happened. Uh, a, a module called Servanthood and Stewardship, which Deborah and I taught. Um, the Kingdom of God, Tony Ling. The Church, myself with James Aubrey. Pastoral Ministry, Richard and others, I think. No, just Richard. He hogged it. Uh, Growing as a Leader with David Lavery and James Topless, and The Church and the World with Timothy Jones, um, uh, Kerry Watson, and Deborah. So well done. You got to the other end. As, as well as all of that, they had assignments, they had reading, they kept a journal, they had time with a mentor back in their home churches. And so it's been another great year. And I really want to thank uh, Sharon for administrating things. She's not here today. Uh, for all of you who hosted um, the students while they were staying here, so if you would stand, you hosts, um, Paul France, who's one of the chunk, but also a host, I believe, Paul. Where's Paul? So Paul, it's Paul and Richard and Sarah Jones, David and Liz Warren, Julian and Kate Bowden, Stephen Brenda Owen, Jonathan and Rachel Seabrook, Mike and Lauren Shooter, Stefan and Diana Ruig, Lawrence and Alison Geary, Muriel Lyon, David and Sadie Batstone, Simon and Liz Rowland, Richard and Annie Pemberton, Russ and Rita Hawkins. So we really appreciate you um, opening your homes up to be hosts to these, uh, wonderful, this wonderful chunk, and we'd like to give you a round of applause. If, um, if Julian and Kate would just stay standing, though, because Julian and Kate, for the second year, played a really significant role in being, um, I don't know quite how to describe this, um, parents to the group or something like that. Uh, they opened their home every Saturday night uh, during, the, during the course um, for those who wanted to eat with them. And on a couple of occasions, we all met together and last night hosted a barbecue and generally reminded me of everything that needed to be done, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. If you would please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll read, we'll read this short chapter together. I'm reading from the NIV. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, 
brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth, men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, um, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A couple of weeks ago, when we had our Momentum Weekend, um, I looked with you at the, the book of, uh, well, the, the story of the Ephesian church and uh, how momentum uh, began and continued in that church and how momentum was more than just um, a moment in which God does something and should never become a monument in the past, but momentum has to do with constant movement. And that the key question for all of us is always, what happens next? When God starts something, what happens next? When the Holy Spirit moves amongst us, what's going to happen next? When people are being saved on a monthly or a weekly basis, what will happen next? When we see people being healed, a few people being healed, what will happen next? When God begins to stir you, what will happen next? When you begin to move in a new boldness and a new courage, then what will happen next? When we know God is with us, what's going to happen next? And um, the church in Ephesus grew from 12 disciples in Acts 19 who were filled with the Spirit to potentially tens of thousands over just seven years. Because at every critical point, what happened next was that they pressed in further. They believed God for more. They stayed sound in the Scriptures. Paul devoted time there. It's a fantastic story. 
And we looked at the, the foundational role that Paul played in the origins and, and the life of the church. But, but what we didn't mention was that Timothy was also a really key person in the momentum. Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus to build upon the apostolic foundations that Paul had laid. And Paul writes these two letters to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, towards the end of Paul's life, around um, AD 64, 65, 66, something like that, three years after Ephesians was written. And Timothy, if you read through, and I strongly recommend, I think I said last week, if you must read the book of Ephesians uh, constantly for the rest of your life, that, that's good. But also the, these two books as well. And, and there's another, some other really good ones in there. But, but, um, but these two letters were written to Timothy, and um, you'll find out um, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus. Paul's been there, he's been laying the foundations, he's, he's taught for uh, two and a half years or so, and now he's left Timothy there because there are things that need doing, and we'll, we'll come back to those in, in just a second. But as you read it, you'll, you'll find Timothy is a man totally devoted to God, totally devoted to Paul, sold out uh, to the Word of God, to the church. In other words, whether you're a weekend program graduate today or part of the church here, he's pretty much like you and I. And so this morning, in, um, in the context of this graduation that's about to take place, but also for all of us, I'd like us to look at some things that were true for Timothy and are true for us too. For you, I'm going to start, I'm going to not use that word anymore, this great band of brothers. These are things that are true for you. And uh, they're as relevant to all of us now as they were then. We, we expect that with the scriptures, don't we? The, the eternal word. So Timothy has been left in Ephesus, and he has a demanding, challenging, somewhat daunting assignment. This is what he's to do there when you read through the letters. He's, first of all, he's to deal with the false teachers and the false doctrines. That's, that's key. He's to ensure that the church is praying. That can be a challenge at times. He's to appoint elders and deacons. He's to recognize the signs of the times. He's to look after the widows, make sure the widows are looked after. He's to make sure the elders are looked after. He's got to command those who are rich to be generous. He's got to put an end to any godless chatter. He's to train up the emerging leaders. He's to preach the word in every season. So these are some of the things that Timothy has been left in Ephesus to do. Things that he does as part of the momentum. And he has this, I think if we were asked to deal with all those things, could you deal with the false teachers? Can you make sure all the widows are cared for? Can you preach the word in and out of season? Can you make sure you recognize the signs of the times? That can be a challenge. Put an end to all godless chatter. This is the task, Timothy. But you know what? Paul really believes in him. So let me just read you some of the, some of, uh, just to quote some of these verses here. Paul speaks of Timothy in these ways. I won't give the verse numbers because there'll be more fun when you read it for yourself and find them for yourself. He says, Timothy, my true son, 
Timothy, my son, fight the good fight. Be a good minister of Christ. Train yourself to be godly. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't neglect your gift. Persevere. Drink a little wine. Little wine. But you, man of God, take hold of the eternal life. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Grace be with you. They're all in the first letter. Then in the second letter, you'll find this. Timothy, my dear son, I constantly remember you. I long to see you. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Fan into flame the gift that's in you. Don't be ashamed. Guard the good deposit. You then, my son, be strong in the grace of God. Be a good soldier, Timothy. Receive the victor's crown, Timothy. Remember Jesus, raised from the dead. Present yourself as a workman. Pursue righteousness. Come to me quickly. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. I think all of us who want to serve God in any way should read these letters as instructions to ourselves, which is obviously what the Spirit intended. And I hope at the end of this year you feel some of that encouragement that Timothy felt. I hope as a church we feel generally encouraged. God is with us as we press on. And in this third chapter, 2 Timothy 3, if you just look at that again, I I want to suggest there are are three broad themes. The first in in verses 1 to 9 is about the godless last days. In fact, um, in the NIV, that's the heading over this chapter, the godlessness of the last days. And Paul describes the, the times of self-centeredness, of materialism, of family breakdown, of impurity, of unforgiveness, of wickedness, emptiness, opposition. The list is a, it's a terrible list, isn't it, in those first few verses. And, and the issues frequently keep coming back to what men love, where their affections are. Many will love themselves, love money, love evil, love disorder, love pleasure, and hate God. And these are simply descriptions of what is prevalent outside of Christ. They're not to cause fear or alarm for God's people. That's how it is without Christ. That's how we were before Christ. So that's his first sort of theme of this chapter. And then, and then the second theme, if you will, is concerns Timothy being a giant of the faith. Verses 10 through to 15, as he talks to Timothy, and we'll come back to this, but he says, in these days, in fact, in this very context, in this very context of the godlessness of the last days, Timothy and all of us are to be spirit-filled men and women who will stand out markedly. These are days for a new breed of giants to walk on the earth. There was a breed in the Old Testament called the the Nephilim. And um, I never really understand exactly who they were, what what they were. But, um, but, you know, this is a day for a new breed of giants 
to walk on the earth. Men and women who know who they are, know what they know, know where they came from, know where they're going, know who they're going there with, and are willing to stand tall and stand upright and cast a long shadow. Giants. Giants of the faith who are willing to be tall and broad and strong and carry something on their shoulders, who are willing to become increasingly visible and conspicuous. Giants of the faith walking in the godless last days to cast a long shadow as they live contrary to the world. That's, as I read it, that, that, those few verses. And then at the end having talked about the godless last days, the giants of faith, he speaks of the God-breathed word. Verses 16 and 17. You know, there's nothing more powerful than a man of God or a woman of God. When I, if I say men of God, I'm referring to us as mankind. Nothing more powerful than a man of God filled with the spirit of God and armed with the word of God. The word that is powerful, dynamic, living, active, sharper than any other weapon. The word that is our anchor. The word that is a hedge and a protection. The word that's a covering. The word that's a fortress. The word that is eternal and ever fresh and always relevant and unchanging. The word that is God-breathed. And all of those three things are, are really summed up in, uh, in a couple of verses there in, in the middle. Have a look at verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14. He, he, he's just said this. Evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for training, rebuking, correcting, and for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the sort of verse that is going to sound great in the message. And here it is. <laughs> Don't let it phase you. Stick with what you've learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why, you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Verse 14, and we'll, we'll now land here for the next few minutes. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. 
That is a verse for you guys. About a week ago, I was just asking the Lord what he wanted to say today. That's the verse. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. There are three words I just want us to to look at and finish with this. As for you, continue convinced. The first word is courage. But as for you, having described, and this, this is for all of us, having described these last days, the way some will fall away, the, the self-centeredness that will dominate, the, the form of godliness that will characterize many. Paul just has two simple words for Timothy. You, however, verse 10. You, however. And then he goes on in verse 14, but as for you. Paul's making this complete contrast between that and this. And whatever else is going on, and, and, and whoever else is saying whatever else they're saying, Whatever's being said, whoever may be shifting and changing and letting go, whatever the pressures, don't let it affect you. Take courage. Stand up. Stand apart. Stand out. Stand together. It's time for giants to walk the earth. Don't be concerned if the world seems to be getting more worldly. We can't expect the world to think and and reason and and act according to the Bible. Why should they? Why would they? The world is under the influence of the spirits of this age. If the world wasn't the world, then there'd be no difference between the world and the church. The world will become more worldly. The, 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 The question is, will the church become more churchy? It's not a great concern that the world becomes more worldly. The greater concern is that the church would become more compromised. The so-called church would become more compromised. Because um, it's the so-called church, because the church that Jesus founded on the foundations of repentance and baptism and being filled with the Spirit and of holding to the foundations in Hebrews... That church will grow from strength to strength. I welcome the distinction between the distinction that's emerging increasingly between the church, between the world and the so-called church and the church. It means the world has something to look at. We're not judged by the world, we're judged by the word of God. We shouldn't fear judgment, accusation by the world. We should fear the judgment of the word of God. So take courage. If you're a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian, I, I hate all these prefixes because they should all apply, shouldn't they? You're in great company. And ultimately, those who oppose God, as Paul says, they won't get very far. So take courage. These are days of advance, not of retreat. Today's to reach out and share our faith, confident that what we have to say is true and right.
That sounds pretty um, dogmatic, doesn't it? Praise God. (laughs) So take courage, and secondly, be convinced. As for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of. You see, we can only make progress and carry on and move forward if we have convictions. And the word Paul uses there, it means to to become trustworthy, to be regarded as trustworthy or established. We must consider, and and I trust you'll do this, consider what you've become convinced of over the last year. What's become trustworthy and established in your lives? What thoughts, what, what views of the world, what doctrines, what perspectives? I'm sure many things were clear before you came. Of course they were. But I trust many things are now clearer, fresher. Revelation has come. Has come and things are more clearly understood and your convictions have strengthened. And I encourage you to take the time to take stock and review the year and go back and maybe go back through your notes and your assignments and your journal and your reflect on your reading and recall the lectures and the discussions and the conversations and decide and state to yourself or maybe even better still out loud the things you're convinced of. Yes, I am convinced about God, about his word, about the foundations, about servanthood, about stewardship, about the kingdom, about the church, about aspects of pastoral ministry and how I grow as a leader and the mission from the church to the world. I'm convinced of these things. It's vital we all know what we're convinced of. As somebody once said, and you'll have heard this, the man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. We must have great confidence in what we've come to see and believe from the Word of God. And it's vital that you know those from whom you've learned it. The weekend program was established by Kerry eight years ago. And I believe every man and woman that's taught you this year is good and trustworthy. And are representing Kerry in their teaching. I hope you feel you've got to know them a bit. The croquet skills, the... You know, uh, four of them got married this year. Well, sorry, eight of them, or three, six of them did, two are about to. So two people changed their names, and the, the list of names I've got has got the wrong surnames for at least a couple of them. It's been a great year, and, and you've got to know those from whom you've learned things, but above all, I trust you've got to know the Holy Spirit from whom you've learned everything. So take courage, become giants of the faith, and hold strong biblical life-giving convictions, and finally... Continue. As for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of. The key question for you is is what happens next? You have many choices. It's possible that you could drive home and put your notes away and and, um, file your assignments and uh, have some really fond memories of your time in the Midlands. And revert back to being just as you were before. But that would be a total disaster. And a complete waste of the investment that you've made. I pray that you will take giant strides forward. 
in every area of your life. What's going to happen next for you, next, next week, next month? What's the plan? How are you going to stay sharp? How will you keep accountable? How will you keep learning and keep reading and keep being mentored and keep moving in the things of the Spirit? How will you become a source of life and hope to others? What's going to happen next at work, at the school gates, in, in your community, in your family? You may well have a daunting, challenging, demanding assignment ahead of you. But we believe in you. And if you will continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, then uh, I think the future is incredibly exciting. Part of the people who are filling the earth in the image of God and filling the earth with his glory and changing our towns and seeing loads and loads, 365 people come to Christ in the coming year. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.